Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. It is me again, Donald Chapon. Carlos, this is your first episode after a crazy NBA offseason. Welcome to the pod. What's up, Dominic? Glad to be here and talking some NBA hoops today, so I'm excited for that. All right, well, it is fi- it is good to have you on. Obviously, a crazy offseason, a lot of different moves. Uh, our hometown Heat made a lot of acquisitions. Some fellow people, or I guess teams out east, also made some acquisitions. Crazy stuff going on out west. Today, I kind of want to put things in perspective and focus on NBA contenders. So after everything that just happened with the draft, with free agency, with all the different trades, who do we think the best of the best are out in both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference when it comes to title contention. Uh, starting off generally, like our first question probably, how open is this NBA title? Because you can make a case right now that there's probably like a good 9 or 10 teams that are really deserving of winning the NBA title this year. Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, you were saying the Miami Heat, I think they made a strong playoff push in this offseason. Obviously, they got their biggest, the big fish, who they wanted, Kyle Lowry. Signed a three-year, $75 million contract with the Heat. And then, of course, they really bolstered that rotation, getting other guys in free agency like Marquise Morris and P.J. Tucker. But what really helped the Heat was re-signing their key guys on their roster. Obviously, Jimmy Butler, four-year, $184 million extension, and Duncan Robinson with a five-year, $90 million extension. And then they were also able to lock up Victor Oladipo for a super cheap contract, and he's really going to help solidify that defense and scoring off the bench. So I think the Heat definitely made a strong push in terms of how they're going to progress into the playoffs, and we'll really see how this lineup, how this team is going to mesh in in the offseason going into the actual season. But I think definitely Miami was one of the teams that shocked me, and they made a huge offseason um, off season acquisitions and trades and really signing those key guys. The main thing for me was getting back Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson. Obviously, one of the greatest shooters on the planet right now in Duncan Robinson and then obviously the anchor of this team, Jimmy Butler. So definitely those two guys were my were my big ones that I liked with the heat what they did. Yeah, Miami's an interesting case right now because I still think they're one guy short, but as you put out, the, the guys they got for the contracts are pretty good. Like Markeith Morris is a great 15 minutes a game, shoot threes, just full-blown physicality. Oladipo for the minimum is a great steal if he comes back healthy, if he's 100%. Kyle Lowry was, uh, without a doubt, the best free agent on the market. Miami wins alone getting the best guy available in free agency and for not a terrible price. I think Goran Dragic and Prestachua were kind of not – really that valuable to a lot of NBA teams. So giving up those two guys for Lowry is pretty good. Does this team, is this team worthy of an NBA title? Like if you do think in a realistic scenario, in a realistic world that they have a chance to win. My bias being from Miami in my heart says yes. I think that even with, you look back two years ago in the NBA bubble and they were able to make it to the finals right? Eventually losing to six games to the Lakers. But I think that what they were able to do to go to the finals, you know, and I think that roster from 2020 isn't as great as the roster that we have right now. So obviously, you know, you get rid of Goran Dragic, obviously the vet, our veteran point guard, probably one of the leaders on the team, but you get back a same guy, a, a, a person similar to that same uh, skills that Goran Dragic has in Kyle Lowry. And I think Lowry is better than Dragic. So I think that the Heat can seriously make a push in the playoffs, maybe even go for a finals run. But I think we're still one guy short. I think they need one more big star, not a not a big star, but somebody who can really help a big man, a big man 
and and specifically because what Miami's lacking is really a true seven footer, right? Obviously, we signed uh, Omer Yurtevin to a two year deal. He's a G League player. He's been lighting it up in the summer league. But what Miami really needs is a legitimate seven footer who can go there and get rebounds. Bam Adebayo is great at what he does, but he's six nine. That's not going to cut it. We saw him getting torn apart in the paint versus Anthony Davis versus Dwight Howard two years ago in the finals. So I think that really Miami needs that big man to go out there and really get those boards and really help out Bam alleviate inside on in the defense on the defensive end. So if Miami can get a legit seven footer, a big man, anybody who's a free agent, I think Miami will seriously be in the running for a championship this year. I'm on a similar line with you. I think they need one more kind of like Jeremy Grant, Dorian Finney-Smith, like small ball like small ball five but can play the four, shoot threes, and doesn't need the ball, excellent defender, just somebody who's physical. I like Honestly, they're, they're kind of a Paul Millsap type team for me, something along those lines. I don't know how they're going to get that guy. I think Markeith Morris in theory is that guy, but I don't know if he's capable of it. I also think they need one more score. I think they're really banking here on Oladipo either being healthy or Tyler Hero coming out. I think Tyler Hero is probably the X factor for this Miami team because what he did during the bubble is is a little bit underrated. I think people forgot that for as much as they like to call him bubble boy, he really did have a great 2020 playoff run. Like the shots he was hitting, the three-pointers were through the roof, especially with the volume and the efficiency. He was just a good shot maker, and he really wasn't himself this past season. I think Miami's really counting on him to kind of return to form here. Tyler Hero is definitely going to be the X Factor for Miami. Like you were saying, he's a 20-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid who was in the finals and he scored, I think it was 37. Yeah, it was 38 against the Celtics in that game five. Exactly. So he was able to go out and show that he's a legit scorer, right, even at a young age. So I think, obviously, the bubble boy, you know, he was a bubble fluke. That's the rumors going around and stuff. (laughs) He didn't have such a great year last year and in the playoffs obviously disappointed a little bit but i think if he can really get back to his normal self he's had a lot on his plate in the off season you know a lot of stuff going around so i think if he can really settle in and lock in as an nba player instead of trying to be a celebrity i think he'll be fine he'll be he'll return back to normalcy and hopefully he can be at that forefront coming off the bench he can be that number one option for the miami heat the one concern i have with this team is the lack of scoring i think that's really going to make or break this team we saw it with Milwaukee this past uh, playoff series in that first round where Jimmy and Bam were really struggling. Like, they could not take advantage of their limitations on offense, especially from perimeter shooting and uh, shot making, really did show. Is that a concern for you this upcoming season with Miami? You know, I'm going to say no, just because we re-signed Duncan. We got a guy in P.J. Tucker who – P.J. Tucker – is a career, I want to say, 2.3 points per game, right? But people diminish his fact that he's he's arguably one of the best corner three-point shooters in the NBA right now. And he's a very physical guy, I think. But sticking strictly to scoring and shooting, P.J. Tucker's a pretty good guy. I'm not saying he's the next Curry or Clay Thompson, but he's a guy who can give you maybe two to three, three game, and he can really provide a spark off the bench. So just due to the fact that we re-signed Duncan, we, we got a guy like P.J. Tucker who can shoot. Tyler Hero, it, it really all depends on how he can play this year. Because if he plays like last year, I think Miami's going to put him on the chopping block. I think it's time to get rid of him, get some high value out of <laughs> it. It's not the trade block, it's see, the chopping block. <laughs> it's the chopping block. You gotta, we got to get rid of those guys. But I really think if Hero has a down year, 
in terms of shooting and scoring, I think it's time for Pat Riley and Mickey Harrison to maybe make a decision to try and let him go, get some good value in return before he has um, any more of a bad performance in the coming years. But I really think Miami will be, you know, it's it's just the winning mentality in Miami. Obviously, you saw we got swept last year in four games. That's horrible. I don't think anybody on that team was, I don't know. I mean, I think they were ready to get back in the gym and show that Miami is back to being an NBA final team like they were two years before. Two years ago, sorry. So I really think that if we can get the shooting down, I like, just based off the fact that we re-signed Duncan, that helps our shooting tremendously. The problem is going to be coming off the bench, obviously. If Victor Oladipo can be that guy when he comes back from injury, I think Miami will be in good hands. The the key is basically is this team good as they were in twenty twenty that that's the that's the question that's probably on everyone's mind especially when you consider right. as you point out that last season was a really big fluke for this team a lot of injuries they are none of our we never really had like the best of our best guys a hundred percent healthy people forget and it's not to be overrated that we only had seventy two days of rest because of the bubble only us and the Lakers had the, the shortest amount of off season prep. So you're talking about a team that overachieved to get to the finals and then had no rest and no a very short return time. I think those got to be factored in here for Miami. Since we're starting out east here, I want to move to the rest of the Eastern Conference teams. I think the, the most notable contender probably out east is Brooklyn without a doubt. They've got the best scoring trio in the NBA. They've got a really well-balanced team. We saw it against, a, even shorthandedly, they could have still made the conference finals last season. Are they the undisputed favorite out east? Obviously, you're not going to diminish the NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks, right? But I think it's clear Brooklyn is the number one contender coming out of the Eastern Conference. You know, obviously, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. That says it all, right? Those three can probably win a championship by themselves if they're able to really mesh and everybody can stay healthy. We obviously saw last season in the playoffs that Kyrie was out for a little bit. James Harden was out for game six versus the Bucks, which ultimately led to Milwaukee winning that. So, really... I think that those three by themselves are good. And then obviously you got like those those bench guys, right? Or not bench guys, but the supporting actors, Blake Griffin and guys like that. We obviously saw that they lost Spencer Dinwiddie in the offseason. We'll see how that impacts them this year. But I think the choice is clear. Once you have, in my opinion, the best player on the planet, Kevin Durant, when healthy, I think that it's a clear contender. Brooklyn comes out of the East. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree. I think Kevin Durant right now, but it's probably a Kevin Durant versus Giannis debate as to who's the best in the NBA right now. And I think you make a case that Giannis is like 1B and Durant's 1A. What he did in the playoffs was exceedingly, you can't say it as anything else but uh, uh, exceptional. Like with without Irving and Harden, that game five where, what was it, like 50 points or 49 points, 48 minutes, plays the whole game. Yep. It was nothing short of spectacular. Like that was easily an all-time like top 5 performance ever, maybe even top 3 in terms of playoff production. Yeah, no doubt. I think the the competition there between Durant and Giannis as the best player in the NBA, obviously you made a great point, 1A and 1B. It's too close to put one of them at the top, but I think what separates Durant from Giannis in my opinion is the perimeter shooting, right? Durant is a seven-footer who can bring down the ball and he can pull up from anywhere beyond the arc from 35 feet if he wants to, and he makes them, right? This is not a, a knock on Giannis, but he's a great player, but 
Giannis is more of those guys who drives and dunks, right? And he's great at it. We saw in, in game six of the finals, he scored 50 points, right? Off straight running and dunking, right? That works. I mean, you can't guard it, right? He's too, he's too fast for big men and he's too strong for guards. So Giannis is a great player, but I think Durant's ability to shoot and, you know, Durant basically does the same stuff that Giannis does. Except, I mean, plus the shooting. So that's why Durant is separated, in my opinion. And I think just, obviously, Brooklyn last year in the finals, I mean, in the playoffs, sorry, they they got upset, or what many seem to be an upset, right? They lost in seven games. Durant made a shot in game seven, I, almost at the end of the game, and his foot was on the line, and they were saying, oh, if Durant didn't wear like a size 25 shoe, <laughs> that Brooklyn would probably be in the finals. And that is probably true. But Durant... What people really overlook in that series was Durant did not have Harden at full health, and he didn't really have Kyrie that much. So Durant single-handedly was able to carry that team to seven games versus the the NBA Finals, the NBA champs. So I think that's why I, I still think Brooklyn is going to come out of the East this year. Probably, you know, it's just you can't have that trio of players and think that anybody else has that same all-star caliber player trio and try and compete with them. I just think it's not possible. So that's why I think, I think whatever team Durant is on is a clear playoff contender. And especially now, since they have James Harden and Kyrie Irving, two top 10, top 15 players in the NBA to support Kevin Durant, I think they're the clear cut Eastern conference champs for this. Yeah, you, you, you've emphasized two points, and I'll bring up a third in a minute. I think, number one, you, you nail it on the head. Kevin Durant is the, probably the best player in the NBA, and his, seal, his ability to raise the ceiling of your team is exceptional. It, not like In those NBA playoffs against those Bucks, Harden goes down in game one with the hamstring injury, and he was coming back from that same hamstring injury. Keep that in mind. Number two, Kyrie Irving goes down in game four. And is out for the rest of the series. So in other words, the two best players on the team outside of Durant are not playing. And he's sidelined with Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown. It's a bunch of really good guys, but it's not like they're not at the all-NBA or even all-star level. And they go to seven. They're not. Sorry to interrupt you, but they're not big names. Yeah, exactly. They're not guys that – obviously, Bruce Brown, I think he had close to a 30-point game in, in one of that games in that series versus Milwaukee. But he's not a guy who's, like you said, an all-NBA caliber guy. So I think it was Durant and, oh, it really, oh, I got to be careful with what I say here because it was Durant and some bench warmers, in my opinion. <laughs> You're not right? wrong. Obviously, yeah. They're NBA, they're NBA players, but they can't compete with the likes of Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. It's just not happening. And then also, to throw in even some more guys from the Bucks, you have those bench warmers on the Bucks, like Bryn Forbes, who versus Miami in round one made he made more points. He had more points than Jimmy Butler. Come yeah. on, dude. Yeah, I that's, was. That's I... insane. That's insane to even think that is a real stat, and it was. <laughs> so I think when you have one team that's injury plagued versus another team that they're they're healthy and their bench players are stepping up and making big shots, I think nobody can compete with that, and that's what we saw, and that really is what led Milwaukee to winning the NBA Finals this year. 
the 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 key thing besides I, the reason why Brooklyn's also probably a favorite is they got better somehow because they re-signed Blake Griffin, who was arguably their third best player once uh, Harden and Irving were down. Like, he was a really good defender. He made he kind of made Giannis's life a bit difficult. He's just a guy, whatever. Um, they bring Patty Mills in, who's a the best uh, underrated free agent on the market for a pretty cheap price. Excellent three-point shooter. Fits the system. If Kyrie goes down and you want another point guard for a cheap, Patty Mills is easily your number one choice. James Johnson's Jeff Green 2.0. There's no difference there. They're basically running back this same team minus everybody being a year older. And I still think the upside matters. As much as people say that the NBA is a team game, the superstars always win the titles. It is no coincidence that this past season, as much as we weren't fans of the Bucks, Giannis was, you can argue, the best player in the NBA. And now this Nets team has arguably the best player in the NBA. James Harden, who's arguably top 10. And Kyrie, who's easily a top, what, 20 to 25, maybe even like 18 or 17, kind of in a good day. Like, nobody's competing in the East with that sort of like, who can make the finals just on that alone. Yeah, exactly. I I kind of forgot about that Patty Mills signing. Now that you bring that up, what really strikes me is that Patty Mills, especially watching the Olympics this year, Patty Mills is a guy who takes an Australian national team to the gold medal game versus the United States. So I think that's that that's insane, right? So just based off that alone, you well, know, and, and he's able to go out and score. And interrupt you, he was on that 2014 finals team, and he was the a big component why they won that team, that, that uh, championship. Yeah, with the Spurs, exactly. He makes big shots. So he's a guy who can really – he can go out and give you 20 and 30 a game if he really tries. Obviously, I'm not saying this is FIBA ball. This is the <laughs> NBA we're talking here. But great point you brought up. If Kyrie Irving goes down, this is a guy who – obviously, he's not going to replace Kyrie Irving. But he's a guy who can – Kind of be around that same level. He can make big-time shots, and he's a great facilitator. So I love this sign with Brooklyn. The next team that I want to focus on is Milwaukee. Reigning champions. We've hammered home the Giannis point. They've got Middleton and Holiday as the semi-all-stars on the good day. And at, at the very least, they're quality NBA players. They had some downs, but a lot of ups for sure. This team I, I have a, is going to be a big regression candidate. Is it a hot take to say they won't even make the conference finals next season? Because I have a big feeling that they just got – it's not that they got lucky, but they really did get fortunate that Brooklyn suffered injuries, that Philly never made a move, and that they got to face the Hawks. I think this team has a lot of downside. I wouldn't say it's a hot take. I would say it's – it's, it's, like, it's like a lukewarm take. It, it's lukewarm. <laughs> It's, it's difficult because we see that they, they lose P.J. Tucker, right? And I'm not saying P.J. Tucker was a huge had a huge role in their NBA Finals run. But he's a great small ball defensive guy and a guy who can kind of score, right? So just losing a guy like that, it takes away from your team. Well, and to pause, right? so and, to pause and not replacing him either. Because as of now, they've re- so they've re-signed Bobby Portis. They trade a yeah. bunch of, like... Bags of potato chips for Grayson Allen. They get George Hill, but that's basically it. They're keeping a lot of their same guys, and they haven't made any big, big-time moves yet. Exactly. And and then in the draft, they go out and they, they draft Isaiah Todd, right? A great player. He, the, first, the first pick of the second round. But then they trade him. So it's like, all right, you don't even get the guy that you drafted. So... I don't think Milwaukee, Milwaukee didn't make any moves this offseason in terms of getting any big names or getting any uh, solidifying role players. They, instead, they lost guys, and they couldn't even get any draft picks. 
So I think it's gonna be tough. We have to. I have to see the matchups when when playoffs come around. Obviously, I can't. I can't tell now if Milwaukee's gonna make the conference finals or not. But I really think that Milwaukee's they gotta be on the lookout because they can definitely be a team that can easily be upset when on any given day. So uh, it's gonna be. I wouldn't say that they're not gonna make the conference finals just yet. But I think it's going to be close as to they can they can easily be upset in the first round if they want to, depending on their seating. But it's going to be close. Uh, I would it's going to need another 50 point game from Giannis in the playoffs to, to really keep them in the run. See, that's the problem with this Bucks team, though, is that they're relying so much on Giannis. Like people forget for as much as Middleton and Holiday did have a couple big playoff games, they also struggled a ton. Like, Holiday didn't make a three-pointer until, like, game five of the finals. Like, that type of thing. Middleton, one day he scores 40, and the next day he goes four for 21. And the same problem they had this past season, they're going to have this coming season, where they're lacking depth. They don't have seven guys I trust in the playoffs. Like, they're banking on DiVincenzo coming back from the injury because he didn't play at the in the playoffs. They're banking on Pat Connaughton shooting 40% from three again. Brooke Lopez not regressing. And I guess after, what is it, like Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis are your next guys off the bench. And there's still no P.J. Tucker replacement. And you don't have any draft capital. And you don't have any money to sign anybody. Like, unless George Hill becomes George Hill from four years ago, this team has no marginal way to uh, improve around the edges. Bobby Portis, man. <laughs> what a guy. Uh, yeah, I... I think you hit it right on. Um, my main issue with Milwaukee is how they're going to be able to overcome the offseason losses, right? And not really solidifying anything else in the offseason. So, like you said, they heavily depend on Giannis, right? And as we saw in the bubble playoffs, Miami versus the Bucks, Miami had an excellent defensive scheme against Giannis. It was to have Bam basically guarding him one-on-one. And then throw guys like Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, throw at him and, and occasionally double team and try and get him to pass out, right? Because if you're gonna if you're gonna lose to the Bucks, if I were a coach, I'd rather lose to their role players hitting big shots yes. than Giannis dunking every play and scoring. 50, to to right? stop you there, it, it's lose. what it's what happened this past postseason where literally it was like if Bryn Forbes beats us, Bryn Forbes beats us. If Pat Connaughton goes seven of nine from three. Let it happen, but don't lose because Giannis scores 56 on you. Exactly. So if we're able to lock down Giannis and keep him to around 15, 20 points, and the other guys are just making big shots, then fine, be it. We held Giannis to 15, 20 points. It just happened to be that other guys got open and they made shots. But if you start, if if teams start catching on to this and they start double teaming Giannis every play, and he's got to hit guys like Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and they're not making shots on that day, that's a problem. That's where we start to see the issue arise with Milwaukee. So the fact that they, they heavily rely on Giannis and obviously Chris Middleton too, who's like the, the 1A, 1B, Batman, Robin debate, that's a whole other story. Oh, that's not, it's not even Chris a story, Middleton, it's a myth. Uh, I mean, Chris Middleton can make big shots. Obviously, there's no doubt that Giannis is... I would say 1A or just 1. No, he's 1. He's 2. <laughs> so maybe after this postseason performance, I I mean, obviously Giannis is the best, but Chris Middleton made big-time shots when needed, and he really is that scorer. He can go out and shoot. He can give mid-ranges as opposed to Giannis, who just dominates the paint. But I really think that if 
Giannis gets into some trouble uh, on the offensive side. You know, teams start trapping him, double teaming him, and he's got to and the Milwaukee's got to rely on other guys to make shots. I don't think that's going to work for them in the long run, and they definitely won't be making it past the second round. One quick thing about Giannis, though, to bring up that strategy you brought up about the, uh, you know, put your best defender on him, make the wall, force other guys to shoot. I think part of the reason why it didn't work this past year, at least for some teams, is that he just got better, better as a playmaker. And the biggest weakness was his free throws. He shoots 17 of 19 from the foul line in game, in game six of the finals, puts up a great overall free throw stat line. You, you have to admit that he has improved as a player, and that kind of makes things even tougher now because he was already hard to guard before, and now he's just damn near impossible. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt that he definitely improved over the offseason and was able. You know, the biggest thing was the free throws, right? My favorite story from the NBA Finals was before, prior to Game 6, there was a bar in Milwaukee that would serve free drinks every time Giannis made a free throw, right? <laughs> yes. So they're banking on about six to seven free drinks per person, right? Granted, he goes out and scores 15 free throws. Yeah. <laughs> and not just 15, 15 of 17, an efficient free throw shooter. And that's really his weakness. Wait, and so, and in a, in a finals game too, like an elimination game of a final series. Exactly, exactly. That that really got me. So that was a, that was a great joke. But I think uh, no doubt that Giannis really improved. He was able to improve his, his free throw shooting and his playmaking ability overall. And I think that's he needed to, right? Because after losing to Miami, you know, the main thing was how can this guy get out of double teams, right? Because we were, they're going to keep, teams are going to keep throwing two guys at Giannis in an attempt to make him pass out. And if he can efficiently pass out of the double teams, somebody's open, right? The minute you throw two guys on somebody in an NBA game, that's, a three-on-four situation for the defense. So somebody's going to be open, right? The problem is, can you find the guy, and can the guy make the shot? So I think that happened just well for Milwaukee this postseason, and that was the main key as to getting them to the finals and winning Milwaukee's first championship in 50 years. So great job by Giannis, uh, getting better in the postseason, and obviously kudos to his, his teammates making up. Now let's get to the rest of these teams. There's only got a couple left out east. I don't want to spend too much time on Philly because they've I've talked about them a bunch. I've I've hated their offseason. I just had a guest the other day doing the Eastern Conference winners and losers. They were a cool loser for me. Is there any hope in Philly making it past the second round? Because they didn't improve the roster and they still got Ben Simmons. And I, I that fit's never gonna happen. So give me like a, a 30 second like Philly ramble and then we could just move on to the next team because I've given up on them. Yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on Philly either. Listen, the fact of the matter comes down to this. And Ben Simmons return to normalcy, right? Ben Simmons hasn't had a shot since college or high school, right? <laughs> and I don't know what it is if he's just he's scared to shoot. It's a mental factor. But Ben Simmons needs to step up his game, and he needs to not be afraid to shoot the ball, okay? NBA players, they shoot the ball all the time and they miss, all right? Sometimes you make them, sometimes you miss. That's part of the game. The problem is when you have an open shot, the the biggest no-brainer or the biggest issue for me for Ben Simmons was in the playoffs, he gave up an open, I wanna I wanna say it was versus let's see, versus Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta and game Atlanta five. In the in the conference semis. In a game five where you needed that win, he gives up, he has an open layup, and he gives up a pass to a cutting man, and that cutter ends up turning the ball over out of bounds and it goes to Atlanta. Right, dude. 
it's the fourth quarter of a, a need. You need to win this game, right, in order to keep your team alive. And you're giving up an open layup. That, for me, is an extreme confidence killer. That is Ben Simmons does not have the confidence to shoot the ball. I don't know what it is. They got Andre Drummond in the offseason. Another Joel Embiid type guy. I mean, he's great at rebounding. He's a, a, I mean, he's a seven footer, but he's shorter than Embiid. So we'll see how Embiid and Drummond play in the in the in the lineup. How um, Coach Doc Rivers? That, that's kind of a, that's a that's a stuff. that's a fun one. That's a, that's a fun one. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely see. But I don't think we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how Philly uh, plays in the season. But if it were up to me, I don't think they make it past make it to the second round. So I think the rest of these teams have pretty big weaknesses. I, I Boston, I don't think is a contender. I think they're just too shallow. Unless Tatum has like an MVP, top five player in the week, uh, in the, of the in the week type uh, performance. New York, nah. The only team that I've got a little bit of fun with is Atlanta. Are, are you high on Atlanta? Do you think they overachieved last year, or are they like a legit top four team in the East? Trey Young could be your best player. Excellent system. Are they a sneaky like dark horse contender here? Um, you know, okay. I'm not a huge Trey Young fan. Okay. I really don't like Trey Young. I've heard that one a lot before, so that, I, it's no worries. <laughs> I think part of that has to be because he's so good. The guy can really shoot, and I don't know. The guy just, he can light up a team for 40 points on a, any given night, right? But Trey Young, he's a hell of a player. He signed a five-year, two, $207 million extension this year. That's money that he was gonna get right he deserves that that contract and it's full right what i like about atlanta is that they got two young guys in the draft sharif cooper point guard point guard out of auburn who will back up trey young and he can really solidify a a really a number two point guard type of guy for this team but a huge guy a guy that i'm super high on in the draft was jalen johnson a duke small forward who atlanta also got in the draft this guy was the number one overall high school player about two years ago, or last year or two years ago, right? And he was able to slip all the way down in the draft to Atlanta, I think in the second round or mid-first mid round. It was, yeah, it, it, was like, it was like 10th overall, or no, 20, it was 20, I think. I was going to say it was around 15 to 20 that he was able to fall. So great pick by Atlanta. He sat out half the season with Duke because Duke was struggling. So he was like, all right, I'm not going to risk getting hurt when I'm going to the draft. So... We'll see. I, I think Atlanta can seriously make a push. They made it all the way to the conference finals, um, beating being New York and Philly on the way. So great. This is a team who I really think if Trey Young can keep doing what he's doing and lighting up teams on any given night, this team will be just fine. Uh, before we move on to the Western Conference, are there any other teams out east that you think are worthy of contender talk, or is that basically it? Um, I think that's pretty much it. A team that I do like in the East. Don't it's gonna be okay. the it's gonna be the Bulls, isn't it? It's the Bulls. No, no, no. Oh, the thank Bulls, God. The Bulls will. Okay, a team that I, I'm not. I don't 100 percent love them, but I think they will definitely make noise if they can keep it together. Are you ready for this? It's pain. the Washington Wizards. Okay, okay, I, I mess with it. Okay, <laughs> now hear me out. Now hear me out. Spencer Dinwiddie just came over from Brooklyn, right? That's that's your starting point guard right there, starting guard. Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And these next three names, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrezl Harrell, and Kyle Kuzma. People are going to laugh 
but these guys are legit. Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing right, right now with basic. you, but this is a squad, right? This is a squad, to say the least. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, on paper, like, they don't seem as bad, right? Just the names, right? Kazavius Caldwell Pope, obviously, a big part of the Lakers finals run two years ago. Montrez Harrell is, was a six-man last year, or two years ago. So, uh, the six-man of the year. So, he's a great guy, a great center. I'm not sure about starting, uh, we'll see who's on the Wizards roster. Well, they got, they got Daniel Gafford, uh, you know, D- uh, David Robinson 2.0 down there. So they're showing that center. Uh-huh. Exactly. So he'll probably come off the bench. Uh, good bench man, though, six man. And then Kyle Kuzma, of course, who's a guy who's very, very bipolar in his game. Every year it's like, wow, he can really maybe get a, a big extension this year. And then he comes and he has a horrible down year. So I think the Wizards can definitely... I'm not sure if they'll make the playoffs. I think they're one to two years off making – I wouldn't say making the playoffs, but really – actually, you know what? I, I say they're one to two years off making the playoffs. I think if they can get a couple guys in the draft in the coming years or maybe sign a big fish in free agency, I think they'll definitely be a team to look out for. Let's move out west. Let's get the elephant out of the room. What are your thoughts on the Lakers? Get the Westbrook trade. Uh, they sign all these old dudes. Melo's on the team. They bring in Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk. They got Wayne Ellington. Dwight Howard's back for the third time. Uh, Trevor Reese's corpse. He didn't do much in Miami, so maybe out west he'll be back to his normal self. Is the, I know this Lakers team, everyone's saying, is the undisputed favorite, but I, you have to agree that there at least are some concerns that this team could just flame out because of all the problems they have, right? You know, my when I first look at a team, right, every every year in free agency in the NBA offseason, when teams sign two to three big names, the main question is in the media and all the fans, oh, how are these guys going to blend together? Yes, yes. First example was in 2011 when LeBron James decided to go to the Miami Heat and he was joined alongside Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Oh, how is Wade going to take that? you know, that kind of Robin personality to Batman and LeBron. And how is a guy like Chris Bosh going to be a third option on the team? How are they going to blend? They won two championships in four years, right? The second scenario is Kevin Durant goes to Golden State playing alongside Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. Oh, do you think Curry will take a step back in his numbers and his progression? And you think that he really wants to be that second option to Durant? They won two years in, or two rings in three years or four years. So, and then now you see Brooklyn, right? They got the big three in Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden. Obviously, there hasn't been any postseason success with that team. But when it comes to the Lakers, you have guys, and obviously you have LeBron James. Russell Westbrook is a ball, he's a ball dominant player, obviously, because he's a point guard. But he can find ways to spread the ball. He played alongside Paul George and Carmelo Anthony in Oklahoma City a few years ago. So, And that team made the playoffs. I, they lost in the first round, I think, to the Blazers, to the Jazz. But that's a team who they can really – listen, NBA guys, NBA players, I think their main success is besides getting paid, they want to win, right? So they'll do anything and everything to win. Even if it means taking a step back, see, that's, I think these guys want to win. That's so that's where I, like, that's where I agree with you. So my only problem with this team is the the Westbrook fits pretty miserable. I'm not going to lie, because LeBron is very ball dominant and Anthony Davis is very ball dominant. But if there's one guy on the planet who can tell Westbrook 
it's either now or never to change your role to serve as what we want you to do. It's LeBron James in terms of the influence, in terms of the career yeah. and legacy. It's him. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And especially, you know, a, another one too that Carmelo Anthony. At first, I didn't like the fit because that's another guy who, you know, obviously in in the the latter end of his NBA career, he's taken a you know a step back instead of being that that dominant scorer. Right, he still is, but he's not a ball dominant player. He can really go move off ball and get up shots, as we saw with, what he did with Portland, but. I think when it comes down to LeBron James is still the center of that team. So I think when you pair you pair LeBron with AD and Carmelo and Westbrook, I think those guys want to win, especially Westbrook and Melo who don't have rings. I think they want to win, and the time to win is now. They need to win now or next year because the fact of the matter is all those guys are getting old. Westbrook's 33, 34. Carmelo is around uh, around the same age as LeBron, 36, somewhere around there. Anthony Davis is young. He's 28. But when LeBron retires and you're stuck with L.A., are you going to carry that team? Probably not. As we saw in Anthony Davis in New Orleans, he was not able to take New Orleans out of the first round. And obviously, he you can say he had no help. You can argue that he was the only option on that team. Right. But you're a star player, a top five player, disputably a top five player in the league when you're healthy. I think the time to win is now for the Lakers, and I think I think they'll be a fa- they'll be fine. We'll see how Westbrook meshes, um, but I I think that's obviously going to be a fun team, and they're probably the favorite to come out of the. Way. That's the problem with me is that on the one hand I hate them to death, and on the other hand it's like if not the Lakers, who else? Because. You look down the roster, I think Phoenix overachieved last year. I would say the Clippers if Kawhi was healthy, but Kawhi, we don't know what his status is. He's kind of MIA. There's not much going on in Dallas and in Denver outside of Luka and Jokic. Portland's an absolute dumpster fire. Nothing's happening there. There really isn't a second team that I'm like, if it's not the Lakers, it's them. Do Is it still – do you still – like the Lakers have to be considered the favorites here, right? Like even, even with all the uncertainty, even with the Westbrook fit being a problem – LeBron could take a back seat and could just be injured again. And I don't know if Anthony Davis is 100% healthy. But with all those questions that still need answers, are they still the presumptive favorites? I would say I would say yes. When, when you look at the – I'm looking at the playoffs. Um, the playoffs from last year, right? Utah – and these are teams that – And I forgot to mention Utah in that group, so that's my bad. Okay, no, that's fine. When you match up the Lakers – Versus all these teams, the Lakers versus Utah, LA healthy with their roster right now, LA wins. Memphis, LA wins. Dallas, LA wins. Denver, I would say the Lakers win. Portland, the Lakers win. The only problem would be Phoenix, but even though that was kind of a, mm, that was a little bit of a fluke as well, because AD, LeBron were injured, and some of those guys, which is why Phoenix won. I mean, no disrespect to Phoenix, they made it all the way to the finals, but. The only two teams I see competing with the Lakers are the the Suns and the Clippers. So let's, let's I, have the conversation now then with the Clippers because they're the team that's intriguing me the most. My hot take this season, I think that the Clippers will be a bottom six team or a, like a six seed out west, let's say, like five, six, maybe seven. But I think they're the favorites to win. This sounds dumb, but here's the case. They've got all of their team intact, and Kawhi Leonard for the last couple of years has never been 100% healthy in the regular season. 
he comes back in the playoffs, and you've got Paul George, who just came off a fantastic season. You've got Batum and Reggie Jackson and Zubak and Ibaka and all these guys who were in your same rotation this past postseason. You had Terrace Mann still there. If Kawhi comes back, and let's say he's even 90%, 85% himself, is this not the team to beat out West when they overachieved? They made the conference finals without Kawhi in the last couple of games against Utah. And minus the Lakers, they're probably the most talented team out West. It, is, that, is it unreasonable to say that they can make the finals? You know, it, it's really going to depend on how, what's going on with the Clippers in the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard experiment, right? Obviously, it has not worked for them the last two years. And I think, obviously, a lot of people thought that they were going to blow it up this offseason. They thought Kawhi was possibly going to go somewhere else like Dallas or Miami, right? But Paul George is still, he, like you said, Kawhi Leonard was hurt. And Paul George carried them all the way to the conference finals, right, by himself. So I think there's no doubt that the lack of talent is there, or there is no lack of talent with Paul George. Uh, he was an MVP candidate a few years ago. Some people forget that with the Thunder. He was number three in MVP voting. So there's no doubt that the talent is there, right? The problem is Kawhi is really, I wouldn't say Kawhi is injury prone, but Kawhi is not a guy who can stay healthy for a full no, season. I think you could say injury prone. I think, I think the time is now. It's been five years. I think we could say that he cannot play a certain amount of, he can only play a certain amount of minutes per regular season and postseason. Yeah, we see that that load management uh, term come up this year with Kawhi, and he there's games where he'll, he'll just sit out for rest, and that was not a thing ten years ago in the NBA, right? This is now that the game has developed. The players, obviously, the injuries have uh, developed as well. You know, there's been more severe injuries, but the problem with Kawhi is if he can stay healthy, I think the Clippers can definitely be a Western Conference Finals contender or a Finals contender, but I think. The competition out West is very difficult. The Clippers, the problem is every year, I feel like the, the last two years, they've been matched up with Dallas, and it's been the same thing. Like the, the Clippers went in six or seven, right? Luka Doncic by himself carried the Mavericks to a fifth seed this year and took the Clippers to seven games. So what, what Luka is able to do by himself versus the Clippers, who had Kawhi and Paul George, I think there needs to be Kawhi and Paul George need to return to their all-star selves. If Kawhi can get back to his NBA finals with the Raptors, if he can get back to that form and Paul George can get back to being an MVP form and a top 15, 20 player in the league, I think the Clippers are definitely a team to look out for and they can definitely make noise in terms of making it to So let me ask you this then, because we talked about the Clippers and the Lakers. Phoenix is probably your next best team and also mine to make it out of the NBA Finals like as the third best team, let's say. Give me your case for why Phoenix could make the NBA Finals return. Because on the one hand, Chris Paul's getting older. But on the other hand, they solved their biggest need, which is bench depth, especially at center. DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker are very young. They're all under contract. Michael Bridges is under contract. Jay Crowder's still there. They've got all their veterans. It, are, are people now that they lost over uh, underrating how good Phoenix can be? Because I still think for as much as they flamed out and got lucky last season, they're still a pretty damn good basketball team. I would say to, I would say so too. The only problem is that Phoenix is not going to make the conference finals this year. I just do not see it happening. 
Obviously, we saw in the finals, Devin Booker, a huge performance. Really, he took that next step in his NBA career. I think this year solidified himself as making that jump and possibly entering his prime already, whatever his prime may be. In, in six games in the finals, Booker had 28 points per game, uh, four rebounds and four assists. So, obviously, great numbers for a young guy, but I just, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. Um, you know, obviously, they re-signed uh, CP3 to a four-year, $120 million deal. Um, but I just, I don't see it happening. Obviously, they're getting those guys back, but I think the competition out west has heavily increased. I think if the Lakers and Suns were to match up again in the playoffs, I think the Lakers win in four games. That's just, that's my take. So I want to move on to the next team here. So this is my favorite team, dark horse team coming out of the West. I'm going to make the case for the Utah Jazz right now. They've, they've solved their biggest weakness by getting Rudy Gay, a guy who can be a versatile 3-4 score off the bench. They're a team that's an ultimate trade candidate. If they trade Joe Ingles and something for a really good player that could make or break their team. Donovan Mitchell's easily a top 10 playoffs per game score, and he's been fantastic every postseason. It, Rudy Gobert, I think, is criminally underrated as an NBA player. Are, are people underrating the Jazz of how good they can be, or do they actually have limitations on the roster that you are saying stay away from, don't pick them as sneaky finals favorites, they're not deserving of it at all? My problem with Utah is this. LeBron James said this in the, in the All-Star game, the draft, last year. When, when it came down to the last two picks in the NBA dra- in the All-Star draft, and it was Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert left, right? Nobody wants to play with the Utah Jazz players. Nobody uses them in 2K. They're just not a big team that stands out. Obviously, you see that the postseason success is there, right? So last year in the first round, they beat Memphis in five, and then they lost to the Clippers in six, right? But Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, those are two big names in the league. I think I think the problem with them is just that I don't know. It, it just it comes down to the, the postseason and what can happen on any given day, right? Donovan Mitchell can obviously go out and give you fifty points, but Rudy Gobert is a defensive player of the year winner, and he has not he did not show that in this in this postseason. He was literally getting dunked on left and right. Kawhi dunked on him. Well, uh, and to stop you there, game six. Utah down 3-2, no Kawhi Leonard, and they're running five-out offense. The Clippers are getting a bunch of three-pointers, with Utah up like 20-something points. And they're killing Gobert in drop coverage. Exactly. Gobert cannot play a five-out due to the fact because, I mean, he's 7-3, and he's one of the slowest players in the league, right? So you put, so like for the Clippers scenario, you put somebody like uh, Morris, to guard Gobert, okay, maybe he'll like he'll, he'll dunk on you, whatever. But on the offensive side, you can easily blow by him or give him a move and a step back, and that's a three right there. So the problem is the Jazz cannot play five out with Gobert on the floor. They need to do, a, I mean, somewhat of like kind of like a box and one hybrid, but a, a four, a four on the three point line, one in the paint type of situation. Um, but I definitely think that. Gobert is a defensive player of the year, but he's one of those. He, he steals that award every year because he really is not deserving of a defensive player of the year when he gets cooked in the postseason every year. So that's my that's my issue. So we have three more questions here. So we've got about like 10 minutes or so left. Number one, there's three teams out west that all are kind of in the same boat. There's Dallas with Luka, Denver with Jokic, the Warriors with Steph Curry. 
three teams that I think all have upside to make the finals if everything goes well. But also three teams that have a lot of concerns. I mean, with the, the Nuggets, Murray isn't going to be back for a little bit. Uh, with Dallas, outside of Luka, I'm like, who's their second best player? And with Golden State, Clay Thompson's return is in question. Do they make a trade? Are they really banking on these young guys like Kaminga and Moody to be good contributors? Out of those three teams, out of Dallas, Denver, and Golden State, who do you think is the most likely to come out of the West, assuming that the Lakers under, under are, uh, they fall short, assuming Utah isn't good or Phoenix? Out of those three teams, who do you think is most likely to make the finals? This is a tough question. I, um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, this That's actually a good one. Um, I would say... So it really depends on health, right? Obviously, who's healthy, who's not. Um, my issue with the Nuggets would be the fact that they didn't have Jamal Murray last year. They made it past the first round, and then they got swept. They were the three seed. They got swept by the two, sweep, the two seed in Phoenix, right? My issue with the Mavs would be it's Luka. That's it. There's nobody else there, right? Luka, he just signed a huge five-year 207 extension. Um, is the is the Kristaps Porzingis train kind of done? Are we are we are we are we selling our stock on that guy? I I think it's time. Um, this guy has had like two three years to prove himself. That has not happened. I think it's time to blow that experiment up. Try and get any trade value you can. Um, and then I, I think the heavy favorite, or out of those three, my team would be the Warriors. You can never count out uh, Stephen Curry. Just signed a four-year, two fifteen million extension. <clears throat> They're obviously getting a good center, probably their starting center, and Kayvon Looney back, who had a five million dollar player option. And then obviously the return of Andre Iguodala, who's really going to help that defensive and someone on the offensive side. So I think the Warriors. They're going to be banking on their young guys, right? Curry's already getting to an older age. Klay Thompson's going to be out for a while. Um, Draymond isn't really as efficient on offense as he is on defense. So Moses Moody, Jonathan Kuminga, uh, James Wiseman, I think those three young guys are going to have to step it up this year if the Warriors want to have a deep postseason run. But other than that, I think I think it's just the war- out of those three teams, the Warriors might. I think the Warriors are definitely going to shock this year in the playoffs because you can't count out Curry, right? Curry almost took them to the playoffs as an eight seed, or they were a nine seed. I'm pretty sure they just missed the playoffs. No, they and were they were an eight. They were an eight seed. Yeah, they were they were pretty good. At some point, yeah, and then they they fell out of the the playing tournament. Yep. So they yeah. So I think that definitely uh, you can't count out Curry, the best shooter ever to grace this planet. So I think the Warriors are probably going to be a dark horse content. So one last question for you before we wrap today's pod. We both agree probably that Nets and Lakers coming out of both the East and the West are the two presumptive favorites. I think it's a unanimous consensus by most people. I think a lot of NBA media and experts think that too. Minus those two teams, if you had to create a finals matchup right now, who do you think would be a sleeper final series? So assuming that you could not pick the Lakers or Nets, who do you think could come out of the East or the West that's not one of those two teams? Out of the West? Ooh, um, I'm going to go with the... Ooh. It's between the Clippers and the Suns for me. But I'm going to give the edge to the Clippers. No, I take that back. So I, 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 can, give, I, I can give mine first if you want real quick. So I've got Clippers and Heat. 
as my two. I think okay. if Kawhi Leonard comes back healthy, I think that the Clippers are an easy favorite. And I think if Miami is really what their apex value is going to be, they're a sweeper team. But I think out west is probably between Utah. For me, at least, it's Utah, Phoenix, Clippers. And out east, it's probably Milwaukee, Miami, and then either Atlanta or like Philly or one of those two teams. Yeah, so, um, okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna actually, I'm going to start on the east side uh, since you kind of made it a little bit easier for me. Uh, I think the Heat are the clear-cut non, they're the non-favorite favorites, right? That's, that's one way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Out, <laughs> but there, there has been a, there's been a significant drop-off in talent for many of the teams. I'm looking at the Celtics here. Um, I mean, they signed Josh Richardson and Dennis Schroeder. They have Ime Udoka as their new head coach. Uh, but I don't think – I think Tatum's going to have to have a huge MVP year for them to even make it to a fifth seed. The Knicks the Knicks could probably be a dark horse team. Signing Kemba Walker and Julius Randle got an extension four years, 117. But definitely in the East, it's got to be the Heat, right? I just think that the offseason, the moves, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Duncan Robinson resigning, as well as Victor Oladipo, I think that puts them as a heavy favorite. They'll probably be a two seed. Uh, if this team can really mesh, I think I think so. I think I have a lot of high hopes for the Heat. And then going on to the West, I'm just I'm gonna pick the Suns. Um, uh, it might be kind of a cop out pick, you know. They made it last year, and they might not make it this year, so it'll be them. Uh, but I really think that Chris Paul, um, Chris Paul has been bounced around the league a lot of times, especially in the last few years, and he still shows to be a veteran, true top five point guard. So I think with Devin Booker, if he can keep up the level of play, Chris Paul as well, keeping up the level of play at a young age. And then, I mean, at an old age, and the young guys like Mikael Bridges, uh, DeAndre Ayton, I think even guys like Campaign, who really made a name for themselves, I think that they can really solidify uh, maybe a, a good postseason run. And obviously, this is just preliminary talk here. We're going to have a lot more regular season, of course, postseason coverage coming up on the pod. But, Carlos, thank you for joining the pod. A great episode, as always, and definitely for it being your first episode, pretty good. So, uh, thank you for joining the pod. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I had a blast.